Got a question for you as we start our time this morning. Do you solemnly swear that the testimony you're about to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. If that question were asked of us, just about any day of the week, would you squirm a little bit to say yes? I mean, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help you God. We're going to talk today about lying and the gaping hole that it creates in our lives and in our hearts. And as we think about that, why, why should you listen to a sermon about lying? Like, why not just check out? Why not grab your phone, start looking at your Facebook updates, do some email? Like, why? I mean, you kind of know, right? You know everything the Bible has to say. It says, don't lie, right? Do we really need to spend time talking about this? Why should you listen to a sermon about lying? It's because I don't think that there's anything that's more important to your well-being as a person than how much you lie. There's nothing that's more important to your well-being as a person than your relationship to truth. But there's more than that. It's not just that that truth and lying is is the most important thing about your well-being, but when it comes to lying, Lying is the thing that we justify more quickly than anything else. So it is super important whether or not you lie. But it's also super easy and super acceptable to lie. And this creates a tension, frankly, that causes incredible damage. It causes incredible psychological damage, emotional damage, relational damage. And so why should you listen to a sermon on lying? It's because I don't think that there's anything more important that we could preach on than your relationship to the truth. I mean, it's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, how often do we lie? How often do we protect our ability to lie? How often do we justify reasons why we lie? I mean, we lie at work. We lie to our spouses. We lie to our significant others, right? We lie to our children. We lie to our friends. April 15th has come and gone. How'd you do on your taxes? Well, come on, right? This is what we say. It's, it's not really lying, right? Most of the time, it's not really lying, okay? There was a man who was sued for a big sum of money that he was loaned by someone else, okay? And he was sued because the person he loaned it to said he never paid it back. And so he was called to court. He was called to the stand. And on his way to the stand, right, the defendant, you know, he's walking up with his cane, and he hands his cane to the plaintiff, to his accuser, and says, hey, could you hold this for me? And he walks up onto the stand. And he says on the stand, I don't have the money. I returned the money to him. 
I returned the money. I swear, I swear to God, I returned the money. Well, so the plaintiff is sitting there just fuming because he knows he doesn't have the money. And he's got this cane and he's so mad that he picks the cane up and he throws it to the ground and it shatters. Inside the cane was all of the money that he had loaned to the defendant. So the defendant was guilty, but the defendant continued to say, hey, I never lied. I returned the money. Some of y'all didn't get it until just then, right? I gave the money. I returned the money. He had the money. I don't have the money as God is my witness. I don't have the money, right? This is what we do. This is what we do at work, in relationships. And it's, it's crazy because we wink at it, we kind of laugh at it because we do it so often. And we have this need to justify ourselves so that we don't have to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Um, I think we're going to look a lot at, at the damage that's created by lying, and I think it's beautifully illustrated, if, if a bit grotesquely illustrated, in this, uh, in this diagram that we have. It's in your bulletin, this half sheet. This was done by an artist, uh, David Rhodes, um, the wife of Gracie, who did the painting last week. Um, and here's what he said. He said, you know what? This image has two meanings for me. This is the artist talking. He said... First, he said, this represents the impact of a life that's lived without integrity. Okay, a life that's lived, living based on lies. And he says, when this, when lying comes from inside, when the impact comes from within us, he says it usually is built up over time. It influences and drives us, and it's driven by decisions that we make. Okay, and he says, the person finally realizes the damage that's been done, and then either tries to cover it up uh, or to fill it. And usually at the point where you get to this, it's too late to fix the damage that lying has done. And so the idea here is that the person looks down at the hole that is now through his heart, and he says, how did I get this way? You, look, you just can't believe that it's come to this. And then he also said the second way is this is the impact that unfaithfulness and lying has to me in a marriage or in a relationship. Because he says sometimes lying, it's, it's not you lying, but it's someone lying to you. Okay, And he says when this impact comes from others, it blows a hole through us. It sometimes comes without warning. It's caused by the issue of integrity hiding beneath the surface. And at this point, looking at it this way, when it's talking about the damage that others' lies do to you, the guy's looking down at this gaping hole, and then he looks back up at the person and lies to him and says, do you see what you've done to me? Do you see the damage that your lying has done to me?
And this artist actually has a story. He said, my experience, what came to me from my own life, was with my ex-wife. She was unfaithful to me, and she left me for another man. And he said, that left a hole in my life, in my heart. It was so large, and there was this hole in who I was for 15 years of my life. He said, I had to reestablish myself and relearn who I was because of what was missing. And he said, God healed this hole in my life with himself. And then he brought me to harbor. And here I met Gracie, who he's now married to. He said, God brings good from bad situations and beauty from the horrible. Why should you listen to a sermon online? because it's a big deal it's a big deal and whether you've created this hole in your own life because of the lies you've told or if this hole has been blasted through you because of the lies that have been told to you we have this gaping hole that exists in us that's why you should listen to a sermon online you also should listen because the resurrection of Jesus tells us that Jesus came to conquer lying. Jesus came to overcome the power that lying has in our lives. Jesus came to destroy the effects and bring healing to the effects that lying creates. In his resurrection, Jesus is calling for a new community to live in truth. That's what we're going to see. That's what we're going to see today as we look at this next part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is going to speak into the damage and bring healing. And what we're going to see Jesus say is, we're going to see Jesus, if you, if you want to write something down, we lie for protection, but truth brings resurrection. That's what we're going to see today. We lie for protection, but truth brings resurrection. Okay, that's what we're going to see in the words of Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 33 to 37. And so Matthew 33, Matthew 5, 33 to 37. This is Jesus talking. Again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it's the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say simply be yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. So Jesus begins, as we've seen him begin, uh, with common knowledge. Verse 33, he says, Again, you've heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have, done, what you have sworn. Oath-taking is actually something that is prescribed in the Bible. 
Okay? And it's interesting, like I did this thorough study, there's probably about 20 different passages that you could look up that are examples of oaths, that are places that describe why oaths are part of life. And I'm going to try to distill all that down and just give you the summary. Um, oaths were designed by God, promises, you know, swearing that you're going to do something or swearing that something is true. These things were designed by God for two purposes, to strengthen our relationship with the truth and to strengthen our relationship with God. Okay, that's the purpose of an oath or a promise. It's to strengthen our relationship with the truth. It ratchets up the significance of what we're committing to. Okay? I, Stephen, take you, Laney, to be my lawfully wedded wife, and I do promise and covenant before God and these witnesses that I will love honor and cherish you as long as we both shall live. Right? That is me taking an oath which ratchets up the significance of what I'm committing to. Okay? And God designed it that way. God wanted to give us an opportunity to up our commitment, to demonstrate how serious we are about our commitment to the truth of what we're saying. Okay, so oaths were designed to strengthen our relationship with the truth. Okay? Now, they're also designed to, to deepen and strengthen our relationship with God. Okay, with God. Let me show you an example. This is 2 Corinthians 1, 23. The Apostle Paul is talking here. And this is what he says. He says, But I called God to witness against me. It was to spare you that I refrained from coming again to Corinth. Okay, so Paul is saying, look, there's a reason why I said I was going to come and then didn't come. Okay? And he wants them to be sure that what he's saying is the truth. And so what he does is he says, I call God as a witness against me. Right? You've heard people do this. As God is my witness. Right? This is, this is part of oath-taking. This is what Paul is doing in the New Testament. Right? An apostle is, is taking this oath. And what he's doing here is he's strengthening not only his commitment to the truth to give him credibility with the folks that he's writing to, but he's also strengthening his relationship with God. He's saying, I'm standing here and telling you the truth, and I'm going to ask God to join me here. That God is actually standing here with me as I declare what I'm saying. And so that does have an effect if you have a respect for Paul and his relationship with God. But for Paul, it strengthens his relationship with God because he is now acknowledging that he lives in the presence of God. Does that make sense? And that's part of the purpose of an oath. God was saying, yes, you can call on my name. You can call me to witness something that you're saying, a commitment that you're making. And maybe in the process of that, you're also going to recognize that the strength that you need to fulfill this oath comes from me. So as God is my witness, God, come and join me here, not just for their sake, but for mine. Because you, I'm making this oath in your presence. Right? I'm acknowledging, God, that I have a relationship with you and that matters to me. And so this is what oaths were designed for, to strengthen our relationship with the truth, to strengthen our relationship with God. Now, by the time of Jesus' day, people had corrupted oaths. Okay, there was corruption that existed. Instead of oaths strengthening 
our relationship with the truth, they began, oaths became tools to hide the truth. They became tools actually to separate people from God and to manipulate other people. Okay? People stopped swearing in God's name. And they began, we see this in our text, they began to swear by other things. They took oaths by heaven or by the earth or by Jerusalem. They took oaths by the hair on their heads. Okay? Now, why'd they do this? Well, they did this so that they wouldn't have to tell the truth. Okay? They did it so they wouldn't have to tell the truth. So they've taken the purpose of an oath and they've flipped it on its head. Right? This is what the Jewish leaders were doing, what the society in Israel was doing. Okay? Because in the idea, let me, let, me, um, let me give you just an example um, from Jesus' day. This is Matthew 23, uh, where Jesus actually says a lot of the similar things that he says in our, in our part of the Sermon on the Mount. But this is Matthew 23, verses 16 to 19. Jesus says, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, this is what they were saying, this is the oath stuff, if anyone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. Okay? Jesus says, you blind fools. You fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? Right? And then he says, and if you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if you, anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he's bound by his oath. She says, you blind men, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? And so you get where they're coming from, Right? They had these things where if you swore by the temple, it didn't mean anything. I swear by the temple that I didn't do it. Oh, it doesn't mean anything because I didn't swear by the gold in the temple. If I'd swore by the gold, well then, yeah, I'd be in trouble here, but I just swore by the temple. Now, Jesus is saying, guys, you've missed the whole point. Oaths were not, I'm terrified that I have to explain this to you, but I do. Right? Oaths were not designed to give you an excuse to lie or to exclude God from your life. Now, I actually had my own little hierarchy set up when I was a kid. As I grew up, I mean, maybe you did too. If I said something, then it was true if it was convenient for me. Okay? If I promised, if I said, no, 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 I promise, then it was true maybe 25% of the time. But if I said, I swear, it's true. 50%? (laughs) But if I said, I swear to God, or I swear on the Holy Bible, or I swear on my mother's grave. I never knew what that meant, but it was always, it always felt so solemn. And so if I ever said any of those three things, then it was 100%. You know? And so my friends, the people who knew me, they would say, is this true? Yeah, it's true. You promise? Yeah, I promise. Do you swear? Yeah, I swear. Do you swear to God? 
man, why do I always have to continue to convince you that I'm being honest? What is wrong with you? Right? Why do I have to keep... I'm not answering any more questions. If you don't trust me, that's your problem, not mine. And my friends knew that I was lying. <laughs> so, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm going, Jesus, man, like, what is up with these people? But then I thought, Stephen, wow, what's up with you? What's up with you? Um, and I'm much, much, much smoother now in my lying. <laughs> It is fascinating, though, that we live in a society where when you push on someone because you doubt them, you are made to feel like the bad person, right? And so this is why I can be smoother, right? I can tell lies, and if you push, I can go, what's wrong with you? And I'm in the right. You're in the wrong, right? I mean, this is the damage that comes from lying. And so getting back to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, Jesus says, don't take an oath at all. Jesus says, I want you to step out of this whole oath-taking culture that's going on in our society. Jesus says, you need to leave that. You need to leave that because it's broken. It's broken and it's corrupt. It's corrupt. And so what I'm telling you is you need to leave that. I'm cutting through all of that, and I'm simply saying to you, my disciples, mean what you say, say what you mean. Mean what you say, say what you mean. If it's yes, say yes. If it's no, say no. If you're committing, Say, yes, I'm committing to this. And if you're not committing, say, no, I'm not committing to this. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying everything beyond this, because again, he's speaking about this whole oath-taking hierarchy. Everything else is evil. Everything else is evil. So why is it that we lie? Think about it. What is it that pushes us, that moves us, to lie. I think we lie for protection. We lie for protection. And it's interesting because we've talked a little bit already, especially with the graphic, about the damage that lying can cause. Um, cause to us, cause to others. Sometimes, though, what's even worse damage are the reasons behind the lies. Because honestly, like, there's a lot of times when you lie and it doesn't seem very damaging. It's not a big deal. We even have a term for it, right? These are little white lies. It's not true, but it doesn't hurt anybody. Right? Well, the question, though, the damage can be seen um, by the reasons why we lie. Okay? We lie, again, it's all into this guise, I think, of protection. You know, we lie because we know we'll benefit, and we don't think we're going to get caught. So protection in a sense of, like, getting something that we really don't deserve, but we know we can get away with. Right? Taxes. We lie on our taxes to get more money because we're not going to get audited. Come on, what are the chances? You know, I play the lottery. I never win that. I'm not going to get audited. Same odds, right? Um, So we lie because we're going to benefit. We don't think we're going to get caught. There's times when we lie because 
we're afraid of the truth and we want protection against the truth. We lie because we're afraid of what will happen if we're honest. So again, we lie to protect ourselves from the consequences of the truth. And then um, we lie to, because we want people to like us. Right? We want to protect our reputation. <clears throat> Sometimes we lie to manipulate people. Tell them half-truths, shade the truth, make them look better than they are, make us look better than we are. <clears throat> These are reasons why we lie. And honestly, what can happen, and what often does happen, is that we develop a habit, and when we lie to protect ourselves, we end up needing that protection. We end up living a life that can't get by without that protection. Okay? When you lie about who you are to somebody that you meet for the first time, and then you become friends with that person, you have to continue to lie to them. Right? Even if it was something stupid, you're like, why did I just tell him that? Seriously? Like, and then, but now I've got to keep this up. Right? Because I don't want to admit that, hey, when we first met, I, well, I really don't have the job I said I had. I actually do something different. And I'm just hoping you're never going to find out. Right? But I've got to keep it up. And what happens is, and Tim Keller is a pastor in New York. He's been so amazing on this. He actually says that the process of us giving in to lying like that to protect ourselves, it becomes an idol. It actually becomes a substitute God. And I think if you think about it, you'll see the logic and the wisdom in, in saying it that way. Because what ends up happening is that we end up spending time promoting the lie. We spend energy promoting the lie. We cover up for ourselves, and, and the lie grows. And I think, from a biblical perspective, one way when you think about what worship is, like worship is revolving your life around the authority of something. And so if you're lying for protection, and you continue to lie to get that protection, that protection becomes your God. That protection becomes your God. This is why you end up going like, how did I get to this place? Like, it wasn't supposed to start out this way. But when you need the protection, you need the, 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 the approval of others, when you need the control of a situation that fosters your continual lying, you end up bowing down and it becomes a God in your life. And the worst part about it the worst part about it is that this idol, the, the lying begins to control you and it never, ever fills you. It can't deliver. Because if you lie to protect your reputation and you have a relationship with somebody that you're lying to, they can never, ever actually know you. Like they don't know who you really are. And so all of their friendship, all of their approval that you've lied to get, all of their, um, yeah, just the, the entire relationship, it's based on a lie. And what ends up happening is that you end up realizing over time, like this person doesn't even know me. 
In fact, nobody really knows me because nobody knows who I really am. And so you realize that I've got no one in my life who really cares about me because nobody knows the real me. Does that make sense? I mean, I'll be honest, when I first saw David's design, I thought, man, this is gruesome. But the more I thought about it, the more this is an accurate picture of what happens to us when we give ourselves over to lying. When we give ourselves over to lying. When we lie for protection, man, we might get it for a time, but it's a lie. It's a lie. And so we lie for protection, but what Jesus wants us to know, what Jesus wants us to know is that truth brings resurrection. Truth brings resurrection. Jesus says, let what you say simply be yes or no. Now, how can that be? Well, Jesus says truth brings resurrection. Jesus came. Jesus entered into the world so that he could stand against the power and, and, the, and the brokenness of lying. Jesus came and he stood for the truth. Okay, Jesus always told the truth. Jesus always told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Jesus knew exactly what to say, when to say it. Jesus was always honest. Okay, he was always honest. Now, okay, having said that, there are times when Jesus avoids questions. Okay? And so on this truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, like there is a layer of wisdom that needs to be applied. Okay? There are times when Jesus says, even later in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't throw your pearls before swine. Which means that if someone is going to use your truth to inflict evil on you or someone else, then they don't deserve the truth. Okay? And we'll talk about that. We're going to get to that part of the Sermon on the Mount um, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount. Um, but Jesus came and he lived a life of perfect and complete truthfulness. And when he died on the cross, when he died on the cross, it's interesting because he died because he told the truth. He confronted people with their lying. He confronted people with their hypocrisy. He confronted people about their sin. And they killed him for it. But in his resurrection, in his resurrection, Jesus showed that he was more powerful than the force of lying. Jesus showed that if you live... Listen to this. If you live a life of truth and integrity, that even if the world turns on you to the point where it kills you, God will raise you from the dead. Okay, the resurrection was God's declaration that that is the life. It's the life of Jesus that will go on forever. Jesus' resurrection means that that. that that truth wins out. That truth is more powerful than lying. That the, the, the false protection that you get from lying lasts a short time. But the protection that you will get from telling the truth lasts forever. 
lasts forever. Because remember, the resurrection was also a declaration from God that said, sin has been forgiven. And so we lie for protection. But what Jesus is saying here is that true protection, eternal protection, protection that will enable you to live forever, comes from the resurrection. What that means is, what Jesus is inviting you to experience is that if you are honest with God, he will forgive all your sins. If you come clean with God, you will have his forgiveness. That's where it starts. The resurrection of Jesus will conquer the gaping hole in your heart because it will heal you from the effects of lying. But it will also provide for you an eternal protection that will allow you to be freed to tell the truth. When you are forgiven, see, we lie to protect ourselves. But when you come to God and confess your sins, when he says, I forgive you, when you hear from God that you are forgiven, then at that point, you have his protection. And that no matter what happens in this life, God will protect you. And if your truth-telling leads you to suffer because you've had to come clean about something you've done in the past, God will be with you. And he will raise you up. If you come clean with your spouse, if you come clean in a relationship, if you come clean at work, you will have to suffer as you acknowledge what you've done but God will be with you and he will honor you. He will honor you. Because what happens is that you receive God's forgiveness. You receive God's acceptance, which is the ultimate protection. And so for an individual, what happens when you've been forgiven by God, when you come clean before God and confess your sins to him, You receive confidence. You receive peace. You receive assurance. There's a testimony from someone in our church. This person said, I didn't realize how trapped I was by lies that I was believing until I did this in-depth Bible study called Breaking Free. My lies were grounded by thoughts that I wasn't good enough. Through events and circumstances since growing up, there were little things that contributed to self-doubt and irrational fears around being a failure. I just thought I wasn't good enough. And I realize now that was a lie that I was believing. Anybody else feel this way? Self-doubt, irrational fears, feel like you're not good enough? In every area of life, I wasn't popular goes back to growing up. I grew up with hand-me-down clothes, so I wasn't fashionable. My conservative parents wouldn't let me pierce my ears or wear makeup, so I didn't fit in. 
But again, I thought I wasn't good enough. And it was based on the world standards. The problem is these things layered and in, and in such a way that I didn't even know how I was deceiving myself and how this was flowing into other areas of my life. It was affecting the decisions that I made from my major in college to hobbies I pursued. And then finally, when I went through this study, I realized how I'd become a slave to my fears. And then I faced the lies that I'd become comfortable with. And when I did that, when I faced the lies, it became life-altering. God accepts me for who I am right now. I was deceiving myself by believing lies that he didn't put there. And that was limiting my ability to accept the fact that he really loved me. This person closed by just saying, and I often wonder how many of us believe such lies that retard our relationship with God. So she experienced personal renewal as she came to grips with the lies that she was believing and let the resurrection give her real life. This has an impact on your relationships too, not just your relationship with God, but your relationships with others. When we lie in a relationship, it's because we need protection. But that protection then destroys the, the genuineness of our relationship. I had another testimony um, of somebody who said this, I grew up, I've been a liar since I was a little girl, um, and I've always lied to please people. I never thought I was hurting anyone with the lies. They were never big lies, mostly little white lies to keep the peace and keep everyone happy. And it wasn't until I got married that I began to realize what a lie I had been living all my life. One night I lied to my husband about something small. And then when I went to sleep, I couldn't sleep. And all I could think about was the lie that I had told my husband. I was up most of the night, and in the morning I was crying, and I confessed to my husband what I'd done. And then I'd finally realized that telling the truth, no matter how hard, how big, how little, was way better than lying to keep the peace. In fact, the lying really created no peace at all. Even if no one else found out about it, I had inner turmoil. And I know that that night I couldn't sleep was a turning point for me. It was the Holy Spirit convicting me of my sin, both current lies and the past lies that I thought were just little. And since then, God has helped me to tell the truth no matter how hard. And I'm not perfect. I still find myself giving into the lie. But the conviction comes quicker, and the truth is revealed so much faster than before. And the truth is much more peace-giving and freeing than the lies ever were. Friends, this is what Jesus' resurrection offers. Jesus says, look, there is no protection that will last. Let me protect you. Trust me. I want you to evaluate how much truth is in your life. How much lying do you do? Ask yourself, why do I lie? What am I aiming for? What's the protection that I'm after? And go to Jesus with that. Let go of that false protection and say, Jesus, I will take your resurrection protection. If you trust in him, He will raise you up.
Come clean before God. Come clean with the people that you've lied to. Do it this week. Do it this week and see. See what a difference it makes. Because imagine. Imagine being yourself. Imagine not hiding or pretending. Imagine what life would be like if people knew the real you and loved the real you. Imagine what our church family would be like. We see these things in community groups. Our community groups are amazing expressions of this kind of real love where people can be honest about what they're struggling with where people can get prayer and support. Imagine what this church family would be like if you made it so safe for other people by loving them and accepting them for who they are. Imagine the people who are currently now living in the closet. If they felt the freedom to be able to come out and be honest about who they are, about what's going on with them. This is the road that leads to resurrection. This is what the resurrection of Jesus offers to you. Let's say yes to it. Jesus, we come now, and we do. We want to say yes to this resurrection. We want to confess to you, Lord, that we have not, Lord, we have not been truthful. Jesus, we pray that you would point your loving and gracious eye at the areas of our life that we need to fix, that we need to come clean in. Jesus, we are children. We are weak before you. We've pursued lying to protect ourselves. have this image of us trying to duck for cover in a cardboard box. Jesus, what we need is you. We need your protection, not the makeshift protection that we try to fashion for ourselves out of our own deceit. Over time, it crumbles. Then we crumble. Jesus, help us to confess confess our lying to you and plant in us, raise up from within us a commitment to truth. We pray this in your name.